0: Okay, Clay. So we've made it to the end of a season of Deadwood, the first season. Congratulations! Welcome to. Happy to be here. I,
1: Thank, I hope, you. Hope Thank you. hope you. Feel the same.
0: Thank you. I've been here
1: once, possibly twice before. Possibly twice. I, I, two and a I, half. I, it's it's new every time.
0: I feel the same. I'm a little bit. I'm always a little bit surprised by how it ends. Everything uh, blurs together a little bit. And Amy and me were just looking at. Uh, we have this book about like the episode recaps, and we were just looking ahead to season two. And Amy was just like, "Wow, a lot of, a lot of stuff I didn't remember happening happening in season two happens in season two. It is kind of just a blur that way." But I thought uh, since we made it to the end of the first season, I have this uh, the book here that I've been reading from the Deadwood Bible, and uh, he explains a little bit about how the season was supposed to end originally before can I, they started producing things. Can I guess? Sure. Uh, so I'll give you a character. The character one character is Bullock. How does Bullock's story end?
1: Bullock's story ends with him and Engine fighting each other for 45 minutes in a volcano a
0: Godzilla style. Just the the buildings are just being crushed underneath their feet as they roar, smash into each other. No, that was a uh, that was stolen for Godzilla versus. Was it King Kong? Yeah, that was that we, <laughs> we watched that movie the other uh, last year, or whatever. Man, you know that movie
1: was great. Mecha Engine. Yeah, it, it, it's it's dumb as hell. But that was that was a very enjoyable movie. <laughs> I saw a lot of people t- talking shit about that, and I was like, what What do you expect? Yeah, they went to they went to the Hollow Earth. Like, what more do you want?
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. They saw King the Kong's throne or whatever, right? At the, yeah, that's that movie. I'm not, I'm not they didn't do anything. that in Deadwood. I can tell you that much. No, absolutely not. Yeah, they. <laughs> there's no mecha, There's no mecha swear engine, There's no colossal fight with what is. What is King Kong's weapon? He has like a sword or something, an axe. Oh,
1: I I don't remember. Yeah, some sort of big hatchet
0: <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, according this is from the Deadwood Bible. According to Sorry, writers,
1: r- real quick. Yeah, Th- that's a <laughs> that's another another thing where it's like in the first Godzilla movie. I think it was the first one. Yep. The there no, I think it was the second one. They discover like the under underwater temple of Godzilla, which. On its own is the would be the single greatest archaeological find in the history of humanity. Right, and then immediately nuke it with a nuclear bomb. Well, and then in this one, he's a threat. they discover Hollow Earth and this other so- society that exists down there, and like this giant throne to King Kong. They they nuke it with a nuclear bomb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were all dead, right? All the Kong the Kong geese or whatever you call them. Yeah, there? yeah. I guess there's nobody there. There's but no, still, it's, it's like. It's like grave robbing, King Tut. Who's who the yeah, harm? Where's the like, harm in that? Clay? It's
1: it's like it's like when you hear about they discovered uh, one of the pyramids and then they started digging up the other ones by just like lobbing dynamite in,
0: yeah. inside it, just get it out of there. You know that all that the pyramids used to be smooth. That's always the most amazing thing to me, right? Yes. You, know you think they're they're yeah. staggered, but they they originally they'd laid limestone on it, and it was a smooth, perfectly smooth pyramid. But the rain washed mm-hmm. it away, so. Mm. There's your fact about ancient Egypt history for the day. According to writers and producers, Bullock's season one story might have ended with the elections for mayor and Marshall, a countywide office. In scenes drawn from history, Bullock would lose the election for Marshall due to corruption, refuse to accept defeat, and barricade himself in a building with his badge and gun until being talked into surrendering. (laughs) Bullock, as fugitive, barricaded like a gangster at the end of a classic mob film, would have been a sardonic comment on the righteousness machismo that powers so many Westerns. The takeaway would be that Bullock's self-image as the bringer of law was so important to him that he'd rather become a public menace than let it go. That was the original Bullock ending. So the second one is uh, a little bit more... Uh, opaque, I guess. It's not known exactly where Swearingen's story might have ended. Originally, he was supposed to follow through with having having Dan Doherty murder Sophia. And according to Ray McKinnon, if the Reverend Smith had gotten murdered by road agents as Milch had originally discussed, and it is historically accurate, it would have been Swearingen or Tolliver that ordered the hit because the pastor's sermons were dampening their profits. These ideas were changed or abandoned once Milch surrendered to the hive mind that is Deadwood. So, changed a lot from the conception of the series.
1: All of those options are, they're just too dark.
0: Yeah, they seem a little bit big. Well, the the Bullock thing seems a little big. That seems like an action movie or something. That doesn't really seem like it fits the series as it is.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't really, I don't know if that fits as a season finale either.
0: No, it's hard to, how does Bullock come back from that, I guess? Maybe Bullock wasn't supposed to. That's the
1: thing is like all of these things that you're naming are like for characters they're kind of thresholds you, it's they'd be very difficult to come back from.
0: Murdering the Reverend would have been interesting. Like well I guess and we'll get into it, but murdering the Reverend in a way that is different from the way that it happens here would have been yeah. strange for Swearingen too. So that's uh, probably wouldn't yeah, would Oliver that would have done it.
1: Yeah, it would have been very out of character I think for Al cuz yeah. cuz his whole thing in the last half of the season is this weird compassion that he has for the reverend and then just to have him picked off by road agents doesn't really jive with that.
0: It would work for Tolliver, I think, with it the would, machinations yeah. that Tolliver's trying to do at the end of this episode. I could see that as the cementing Tolliver as a bad guy action that takes place in yeah. the
1: finale. I think the tough thing about it is though is like the at this point with the do, with the reverend, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not really he's he's kind of a non-entity yeah like he's still out there but people are part of the story is that people are ignoring him while he's dying basically yeah and so he i don't really think it would uh be something that sigh would go so far out of his way to kill the guy just because he he was annoying or whatever
0: well we're going to get into it we're going to play the music and then we're going to break down the season finale of the first season of deadwood sold under sin
2: You're listening to a podcast that is a lie agreed upon. Join Weston and Clay as they discuss HBO's Deadwood and tell you something pretty.
0: Episode 12 of the first season of Deadwood is called Sold Under Sin, directed by Davis Guggenheim, written by Ted Mann. In this episode called Sold Under Sin, a band of cavalry rides into town, including the Yankton, Yankton magistrate, Claggett, and General Crook, who is seeking reprisals against the Indians for Little Bighorn. The doc asks Swearingen to arrange for a girl to care for the reverend. Alma's father, Otis, asks her to bail him out of debt, or he'll create problems for her in New York. Bullock pounds Otis's face until he spits his teeth onto the floor. Sheriff Con Stapleton shoots a Chinaman who is in an altercation with Leon, Bullock visits Alma to say that they will deal with her father later, and the two make love. Swearingen takes the reverend in his, reverend in his arms and smothers him. Adams cuts Claggett's throat and removes the warrant from the magistrate's pockets. Bullock tells Swearingen, I'll be the fucking sheriff. So here we are. So, Sold
1: Under Sin is definitely like an early 80s Judas Priest album. Yeah, it's a good title. It's a good one, yeah. <laughs> Do
0: you have, um, I'll read the ep- episode title to so you quickly. What's the best one? Deadwood, Deepwater, Reconnoitering the Rim, Here was a man, The Trial of Jack McCall, Plague, Bullock Returns to Camp, Suffer the Little Children, No Other Sons or Daughters, Mr. Wu, Jules' Boots is Made for Walking, or Sold Under Sin?
1: I'm sold under sin. Yeah, sold under sin.
0: Bullock Returns to the Camp is a strong second, but only because it's so poetic. Yeah. Sold (laughs) Sold under sin is good. That's why they play it. Every they've been playing it every show
3: for <laughs> forty five years.
0: Every behind the scene, the behind the music uh, special is just them bitching about how they can't escape the power and the gravitas of that song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we do the uh, the uh, the Star Trek podcast, where we're cur- currently covering as we're talking about this episode. These uh, Deadwood episodes. We're in the middle of season three of Star Trek: Picard, and um, a patron asked me on our recent review of one of the latest Star Trek Picard episodes, Clay, they asked me if I have ever been medically diagnosed as being unable to feel pleasure. (laughs) 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 And it, it, it hurt me. It cut me deep (laughs) because I was, I was, I was like, maybe this patron knows me better than I know myself. However, did you just
1: say, no, I'm just British.
0: Then I, then I sat down to watch uh, the season finale of Deadwood. And you know what? I realized something. I realized that 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 patron was just running his cunt mouth at me because I feel (laughs) I I love this episode. I think it's so good. Yeah. I think the season is so good. I think the show is so good. And uh, it makes me tremendously happy to watch the show. And I think that this is such a prime and to to compare it to and contrast it to Picard isn't it so wonderful when a season builds towards something (laughs) you get to the end and it all kind of comes together. Maybe not perfectly. We're not talking about like wire esque levels of every plot line is closed, but at the same time, I don't need every plot line to be closed, but I just feel that uh, the first season of Deadwood, really culminates in something. And it's, this is probably the best episode of the season. I think, um, it's got a lot of great moments in it, which we'll get into, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, Again, the show excels at weaving its plots together, and and dipping in for just the right amount of time with each one of them, and uh, the the way that they <clears throat> sling Seth Bullock back and forth and back and forth in his own across his own conscience is 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 it's great. Like it's it, it's the treatment of a character like him that. I, I find so interesting and so compelling that they've been establishing what this guy's like, how he's sort of a cliche, how he's not, what his fa- flaws are, and somehow they managed to touch on all of them in the same episode Yeah, by having him get too hot-tempered but and then having him break down and become one of the people he hates by going over and telling them they should kill Alma's father. Yeah, by trying to right then, his
0: wrong in in a yeah. a, 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 a seedy way, an under, underhanded kind of way.
1: Yeah, and then and then he's, he's obviously, he's got Saul there who's kind of his conscience that's pulling him back. And then he's got, he's got his uh, Virgil Earp in him where he sees the uh, injustice of the, of the, corrupt sheriff yeah which f- pushes him to take up the star which he didn't want to do and you know it's it's just it's so it, it's just really well done
4: there's a blood stain on your floor
5: yeah i'm uh, i'm gonna get to that
4: crooks forces in full retreat taking mrs garrett's father with him up and about so quick He's slung over a mule
5: alive is my point doherty give me to understand you just as soon as seen him dead
4: if that man comes back to the camp he'd be my problem to deal with
5: the way you and hickok dealt with ned mason
4: no i'll be the fucking sheriff
0: Bullock's kind of uh well Bullock's the
1: main... a lot a lot for one episode too they is, they just they do is, a lot yeah. with him in this episode
0: yeah it is a Bullock episode I think more than anybody else he he is kind of the uh, he is the focus of this one and you spend a lot of time with him bouncing back and forth between people uh you you also didn't mention just the talking to General Crook and getting sort of like that per- per- perspective about why yep. he should mm-hmm. be the sheriff and then he has his affair with alma after he's kind of mm-hmm. cleansed himself he has an adulterous affair with his uh girlfriend in town and then he finally through kind of a mixed emotions accepts the badge to be sheriff and the responsibilities that go along with it for not quite on the up and up reasons either as to why he accepts that role towards the end so um it is a bullock bonanza as they say, <laughs> as they say in the show um However, I will say, uh, I haven't really noticed it before, uh, but I thought that this episode really highlighted it, is that um, Olafan's performance is not perfect, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it damages the episode, but I do notice... (laughs) Do you feel the same? I have a hard time sort of uh, clarifying why I don't think he's 100% right for it. And... I think it mostly shows in the scenes where he is seething frustration about what he's done. And I wouldn't describe him as whiny. And I wouldn't describe him as like poorly, like his motivations make sense and everything to me. So the character makes sense in and of himself. And I think that his performance is okay. Mm. And I wouldn't want him to be any more rough and tumble because then I think he fits more into the cliche of what this character would be at the same time. But... I I find him a little bit, um, and he's supposed to be, but I, but I find him, I guess, a, like a little bit annoying in a way that I'm not sure is a hundred percent intentional. Do you do yeah. you agree with any of that?
1: Yeah, I still think he's the weakest link acting wise <clears throat> in the show. Um, I <laughs> I think a lot of it is that he, when he goes into like smoldering anger mode, he reacts unlike any human being i've ever seen react to an emotion right it's it's like he just gets like really tight and starts like i'm gonna shake and he's so mad like that's not something that people
4: <laughs> like normally
1: do in real life yeah it's just it's it's so strange because i mean i say that in the same episode where you've got brad dorif giving what should have been an emmy winning performance just going turning it up to f- 25 screaming at oh, God he's, he's, about, so, he's uh, so good that, that, <laughs> about that, the yeah. ex- exploding legs during the Civil War
6: if I was a more adaptable Prime or one of your regular petitioners i suspect I, I wouldn't feel this pain I guess I i'd have a wad of cartilage covering the patella protecting me from this this discomfort Jesus christ Jesus Christ Just please God take that minister
1: what conceivable
6: godly uses his protracted suffering to you what Conceivable godly use. What conceivable godly use was the screaming of all those men? Did you, did you need to hear their death agonies to know your, your, your omnipotence? Mama, mother, find arm. Mom. Mommy, mommy, mommy. They, they shot my leg off.
3: It hurts so bad. It hurts
1: so bad. <sighs> There's something about Oliphant that it's just, I don't know. I, it's like, I feel like he's trying too hard Maybe. to keep it to keep it under, under the red line. Like, I, I think that's what he's doing, right? Like, he's trying to play this guy as someone who's got all this internalized anger. And then even when it starts to bubble to the surface, he's still... Every bit of him is trying to to tamp it down. But I think... I don't know. I just think he might be going too far with it or something. Would you it's, Would you
0: say that he portrays his frustration too obviously? Or like... Because I, I, I have yeah, a hard time because I, I feel like that. the character should be easily read by others as that is his flaw. Like that he's very easy. Like Soaringen does it in the first couple episodes of like immediately identifying that he's a hothead and you can get around him yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. So it's tough because if he was if he was played any more like John Wayne, Gary Cooper, cool, right? Like that wouldn't read on screen because you would, right. Yeah. The other characters would be sort of drawing inferences about him that I don't think that that, those actors would be able to portray. So I I don't mind it, but, and I, again, I wonder about like Amy, Amy's always talking about when she seems, she's like, Oh, Seth, you're such a dipshit. Like it's that kind of thing. (laughs) And and he is. And that's sort of the point. So I don't know how much I can hold against his performance at this point. It's hard.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, but I agree that he's the weakest
0: actor. So I don't, I don't really so, know
1: where I would go with him. Even so, I don't know if it, if if it's if him appearing to be the weakest actor is because he's doing such a specific performance that kind of doesn't allow him to do more nuanced stuff. I don't know. because yep. I mean. I, I, I always thought he was fine. Anything I see him, and he's fine. You know. Well, the the
0: other in the book that they talk about that he was traditionally cast as a sort of like non leading man, like he's he kind of like goofball character actor, sort of mm-hmm. like they. He has the looks of a leading man, but is more suited to playing sort of like the California surfer dude guy, like yeah, and and he he plays that in a lot of other uh, shows that he's done and stuff like that. More of a like a almost like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo type, like a very laid back. And when you watch oh, him do late night shows, he's much more relaxed and sort of easygoing than Bullock is. Yeah. So it's it's definitely off of his personality to play someone like Bullock. Yeah. The only other thing I knew him from <clears throat>
1: before Deadwood was Scream 2.
0: Yeah. And uh,
1: he has a certain intensity in that movie too. Um, and then when, they, when it comes to the end where he's going to jack it up, he kind of, I don't know. He goes pretty over the top,
3: but yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a. It's funny because, like, I feel like after this, he gets a little typecast as sort of just doing this over and like he's is yeah he goes this into justified more or less, and stuff like that. yeah more or less the same kind of character that's unjustified and let's not forget your favorite movie Hitman. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I assume that's what he's like in Hit. I didn't see it. But no, just, based on the trailer and the poster, I'm assuming that's what it's like.
0: Yeah, and based on his financial situation at the time, I'm sure they were just like do Seth Bullock with a bald head. and he Even said, okay. uh, even in he was
1: the villain in Die Hard Four, I think. Yes. Yep. And I don't remember. Yeah, you know, he's fine. Yeah. Now he's, he's on done uh, the Office for a hot second after Michael Scott leaves. Yep, he was in Sex in the it City. Was he was one of the Carrie's boyfriends,
0: yeah. I think. Um he was fine in that. Um Yeah, he's it it's just, I, I just really noticed it in an episode so prominently about Bullock. And I, I wouldn't again yeah. I wouldn't say it torpedoes the episode or anything. I think he he's no he's fine. But like I, I really notice it in scenes like um when he's talking to Dan in the gem when he after he beats up Otis Russell and he comes over to explain that he doesn't think he killed them and that they need to make sure that he doesn't walk out of Deadwood, Otis Russell. Mm -hmm. Doherty has like... and Earl Brown has so little to say and do in that scene. He just has to listen. But I really feel that Brown just uh, crushes that scene in a way that Oliphant doesn't for some reason. Mm -hmm.
4: I won't do a two-on-one. Take turns like white men. I don't care if the whole U.S. cavalry walks in here. You don't want to pour another drink. You just want to listen to me because if the man doesn't die whose face I just broke he's going to go to New York City and tell Brom Garrett's people it breaks his heart to say so, but his daughter had their son murdered. He'll tell them. Knowing how he does, they won't want their son's rightful property in the hands of the woman who killed him. He'll swear to what he heard from her own lips, and those society people in New York City who live with their heads up their asses anyway will believe him. And whoever they send out here may take up to 15 minutes before they decide being you were involved in the transaction first to last, it must have been you and your boss she hired to push her idiot husband off the cliff. Of course, they'll be wrong about Mrs. Garrett, but they'll be right as rain about you two cocksuckers. You tell them all that upstairs. If he don't die. If he don't die, I don't think I killed him. Just so I understand if you don't die
1: you're saying the man's luck don't have to hold out
6: now that's the message you want me to take upstairs
4: I don't swim in that shit
6: you ought to pin that on your chest you're hypocrite enough to wear it
1: I did really like that scene Um, I think more so for what it what the scene was maybe than how he played it um Cause that's, that's the scene where Bullock really kind of goes over the line. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I just think, I think everybody else is kind of doing more nuanced stuff than he is. Like, yeah, I think Dan is doing much more list just listening basically than Oliphant is trying to speak through his gritted teeth and look at him really intensely, you know?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, the stuff that i do the stuff that I do like about it is very uh thematic and character based and it's it's been a whole season about um, exposing the like inherent contradictions of these characters and the way that they think and the way that like all the all the possible different outcomes that you have to have to come together to make this civilization that's starting to brew into place and what I think that the story in this one does is by interweaving swearingen and uh, Bullock, is that you You walk away from it never really quite sure where the line for good and bad sets for either of the characters. Um, yeah. A lot of it is about the stuff that you want, like the catharsis of the thing that you want to happen resulting in bad outcomes down the line, mm-hmm. and the stuff that you think is going to make you feel bad, like the death of Smith, is actually done in a way that it is – the right thing to do in that situation in contrast to Bullock beating up Otis Russell, which is very cathartic because you see a character kick the shit out of a character that no one likes in the show and no one watching the show as an audience member likes. Mm. But you, you end up in a very different place between the two, um, those two situations. I just, it does a, it does a really good job of just showing, the difficulty that the characters have existing is either good like objects of good or objects of evil and how mm. easily they just cross over each other all the time for different reasons. And the good character acts bad sometimes, the bad character, you know, quote unquote bad character acts good sometimes. And it leaves you just um just really having to think about like why. Why your instinct of watching the show is sometimes not right, or why it can be sometimes confusing to watch it, and confusing as to how you feel about the characters and what they choose to do.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the brilliance of the show is is how it takes you on a roller coaster ride with every character, because there's no cat except for except for like Psy. Yeah, it's Oliver. Sy's pretty one dimensional at this point, but everybody else kind of has this up and down I should say let's put this the best characters have this sort of up and down to them that you're never quite sure what they're going to do and when they do the thing that they do you're never quite sure how you feel about it yes (laughs) because there's always there, there there are always consequences that that exist outside of the action itself I don't know if that makes sense but what what I mean is I think it's what it's what you're talking about where it's it's there's a certain um denial of the catharsis of the of the element because you yeah. know that what they're doing though cathartic it may be in the moment is going to topple five or six other dominoes afterwards. Yes. And like that's that's my favorite thing in in stories is and it's the thing that drives me so nuts in so much of modern television is that I feel like if you want, to, if you want to compare it to Picard, I do. Sure, I, why not? <laughs> <clears throat> um, it's like the time I brought my nineteen eighty nine Chevy Cavalier to a <laughs> old old antique muscle car show. Um, but like Picard is Picard exists solely for the catharsis moment right right everything they do in picard is triggering the dopamine response of right. of seeing these characters do cool things which is fine you know, if that's that's if that's what you want, that's fine. Like, I don't think anybody would be happy if if you took the character arcs of this show and and put them on top of season three of Picard. I don't think anybody would be happy with it. I don't even know if I would be
0: happy with no, it. No, th- th- I mean, they're not to turn it into a, a Star Trek podcast, but it is illuminating about the difference in the shows, right? So, yeah, I think what I think Darren Mooney in one of his reviews about Picard recently made a good point, which is that the Star Trek Picard does not know whether it's prestige television or genre television. And okay. the problem there is that the Deadwood stories don't work because Star Trek is mostly a genre show. So if you tried to yeah. if you started to have prestige television plots laid on top of it, it, it Star Trek Picard tries to do that by doing like the emotional thing, but there is no depth to the problem yeah. there on the show in a genre show way. <laughs> and then like you can have your dopamine response of Being an action sci-fi genre show, and that's fine if it's well executed. Picard isn't, but that's the difference. Is that Star Trek Picard is trying to layer on complicated adult concepts onto a show that, like, the foundation of it can't support that idea, or like the the way that they choose to execute it is more built around the shoot them up dopamine responses,
1: right? Which is fine, you know. That's just they're they're different shows, Um, but yeah, the, the the thing. I think that's the, the the secret weapon of this show is that it is presented as a genre show, um, but it it uh, excels far past that classification. Just in how how much care they put into the characters and the relationships and the world and and this because like if you really th- if you think about what's actually going on in this show, it's it's another thing. I hate to keep comparing it to Star Trek, but we watch a we, lot of Star Trek. We watch a lot of Star Trek, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, it's like having the greatest cheat day in the world on a diet that you kind of are just struggling through. Yep. Watching a show like this <laughs> while we're watching <laughs> <laughs> Uh I mean, like the, the the other two things we're watching are Star Trek Voyager season two. Yes. We're th- are we in two? Is it uh, two three. right now. I think we're in three. Three, yeah, three. season three of Star Trek Voyager and uh and the third season makeup r- makeup round of Picard <laughs> and then we come and swing into this shit which is just on a completely different level and now i've kind of lost my train of thought of what the point i was trying to make was but uh <clears throat> um oh i know what it was if you if you look at these star trek shows right and i'm again genre shows it's fine yep. this is what they do yeah but one of the things that we keep complaining about in these newer star trek shows is that every season has literally like a galaxy destroying thing that they have to deal with and if you if and they try to drape so much artificial character stuff on top of it that it just never really works and it all feels very uh contrived and overwrought but if you look at what happens in this this season of deadwood it's like barely if you if you read it in a wikipedia thing you probably go like oh that kind of sounds kind of boring
0: yeah you you could summarize it very efficiently too it, it's not yeah. there's not there's not a tremendous number like the the storylines are somewhat repetitive in like you know what bullock goes through and what Swearingen are going through
1: yeah i mean like episode two or episode three of deadwood al has to deal with another uh, bar opening across the street, and right. it's like <laughs> it's fucking awesome, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, because the guy who's at the who opens the bar is an equal kind of like almost doppelganger type mirror character for the elsewhere Swearenges and all this other stuff built into it, and even you know, uh, Bullock comes back to camp. Yeah, all right, that sounds great, but it's 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 all these little bits, and in this episode, they what it all builds to is. Ultimately, like it almost doesn't even. I I think to. I don't want to give people too little credit, but I feel like to a modern television viewer, this would be a very uh, confounding season finale. Oh. Because only because I think what it's doing is ultimately so subtle as far as where it's positioning things and like what the big deals are. It's definitely closing off threads, right? Like it's closing off. Uh, the murder warrant thing, which yes. I'm honestly happy they're doing because that that thing that, I, that that's the one thread that never really jived with me because it was so weirdly tertiary. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> it's closing off the
0: stuff with the Reverend, and although if you if they delete that one piece of paper, is there no longer a warrant? Is that how it right. always <laughs> works? Well,
1: well, you know, Xerox <laughs> machines didn't exist back then, so there was only the one. Do you
0: have the
1: warrants?
5: Be that as it may, Magister, living as we all do in doubt, please proceed. General Crook's at the point of making a decision whether to garrison some number of soldiers here or to leave the camp to find its own way. I understand your strong preference in this regard. You must understand that for whatever reason, General Crook has come to trust me and rely on my counsel exclusively. The appropriate gesture made by you toward me would lead me to dissuade the general from the garrison option, as well as clear away from above the cloud of uncertainty regarding your personal liabilities, namely the incident in Chicago. You have the document of inquiry from Chicago? The murder warrant. Yes, Al, I do. On your person? Yes. Make the appropriate gesture. And the constable hand of the past will no longer weigh upon you,
1: but you know and uh and the stuff with the
0: reverend obviously is tied up uh modern audience would would say uh one out of ten Joni Stubbs never got some property, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, like the the big the big ending moment is the army leaving town.
0: Yes, yeah, right. And nothing like, happens that's, with the army. They, they, right, the army nothing leaves. has. The yeah. army
1: shows up, nothing happens, and then they leave. And it's 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 not really this big climactic whiz bang moment. But in the world of this show, in the stakes that they've given you, it is kind of a big deal seeing where the pieces have been laid and where they have come from since the first episode.
0: Yeah. I think the um, I think the guy's name is Peter Coyote, who plays the general. That guy, I think that guy's great in this role. Yeah, he's general. really good. Yeah, um, I
1: really I really liked when he uh, when when Sai keeps trying to yeah him and Sai's dinner together. Him. Yeah, and then right on the way out, he's like, "If I was Marshall, I would have you hanged."
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's he's an interesting character because he he represents Bullock's perception of like ultimate law and authority, right? Which is that he's. He's kind of a – he's really weird because he 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 speaks a lot of great game about, like, doing the right thing. And he has the uh, – you know, he gives Bullock the little pep talk about, like, maybe a shit heel shouldn't be the sheriff, like when a man who understands that the – he has that whole great thing where he recognizes that, that Bullock has a temper and it got the best of him. Um, and he recommends that a man needs to be – a man who recognizes that he has this flaw is, like, ideally fit to be sheriff and stuff like that. And um, – mm-hmm. He has a great line we all have bloody thoughts. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just a but it's also complimentary like he's not a he's not a paragon sorry but he yeah, like he come, no, 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 he comes in he share. does the white supremacist we we destroyed the indian speech too right, at the same time. Yeah. So it's it's this weird ultimate authority where he seems like he's sort of a paragon of virtue because he is righteous against everyone else in deadwood who's shitty but he's also there under pretty horrible circumstances too.
2: The Sioux and the Cheyenne having burned the prairie to deny us fodder for our mounts. Our provisions limited to what we could carry. We turned for the Black Hills when the rains began. My bay mayor Sheraton found her and he hit her shot. That march through mud was a trial sent by God. And harsh necessity required of us much suffering and great sacrifice. They are fucking horses. Continuing south, we proved our worth against the Indian. We came upon a village at Slim Buttes, at once attacked from all four sides. Their resistance was overcome. There were no prisoners. Paint them out, man, woman, and child for me. having eaten my man. And after the village was taken, we found the gloves of Captain Kiah, last seen on his person when he rode into battle with the valiant Custer. Captain. This is the guidon of the 7th Cavalry, captured by the Sioux at the Little Big Horn, and now reclaimed by white men. Chief American Horse and his village are gone driven off
1: yeah i i I really liked that um we all have bloody thoughts line not only because it's a great ending to that scene and sort of just really great in the context of the show but it also it also felt like the deadwood way of this guy saying bullock chill the fuck out huh
3: yeah well
1: you know like it's it's because he can read he can read what's going on in in bullock's mind and 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 from talking to him and stuff and it's very much the kind of thing where it's like you know you're not special because you want to punch somebody's face in. We all want to do that. Right. It's just you yeah. got to you got to keep that shit under control.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. And recognizing that within yourself makes you uh, someone who's obviously self-aware enough to do the job that might need to be done. Um, mm-hmm. And Bullock is, yeah, like Bullock continues down that path of like he is not a great cop because of it, but it also is true that he recognizing that is important as opposed to someone who does not regard that at all and the danger that they could be as sheriff or even just not sheriff and just sort of running the town. But My, yeah, uh, the general's, the general's great. I think he's, he's a great actor. He has a great gravitas. Uh, I yeah. just love his interactions with Cy, his interactions with is like Sergeant, bub or whatever that guy's name yes. is something like yes. that uh, <laughs> and when merrick merrick interviews him and he, he's like i want to get the quotes the actor and he just goes oh my god <laughs> well i was gonna say the one thing that
1: i i was very confused by is uh <clears throat> after the parade they they march down to is it is it uh where are they where's he doing the speech in front of uh, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's and just in the, the thoroughfare. It's outside yeah. the street. Yeah, the thing that's weird about it is they march all the way down. It's like they got to the dead end, and he can't. For some reason, he doesn't turn around to address the crowd. Yeah, he's talking at the building. Yeah, which I thought was very strange. Yeah, uh, <laughs> especially when you're trying to project and talk to like hundreds of people. But
0: it's shot strangely too because you kind of have point of view of Bullock walking through the crowd and it's it's hard to see yeah. him in the distance. Yeah, but that that whole speech is about how they uh because they've come to avenge Custer and to sort of mm. scatter the Sioux tribes um and reclaim the or claim the area or reclaim the area whatever historically was happening. So it's um it is uh there's a bit of white supremacist uh, rah-rah mm-hmm. stuff going on in there as the reasons that they're there. But outside of that it's just a I think he's just a neat contradiction of uh, – Milch is really good at doing a lot with very little for characters in that way. I think that the other great example is Otis Russell, mm-hmm. who we got a great ex- – we got a good um, peek at last episode. In this episode, he really exposes himself, uh, not not literally, but he he does that great switch – which is that everything that you've known about this guy from the way that Alma interacts with him and the way that the other characters interacted with him in the last episode, once Alma denies or she tries to deny him the gold claim, he immediately comes downstairs and just tells Farnum to fuck off. And it's yeah. just like, okay, he's, he, he's... That scene, It honestly, it was, it, it was interesting to me. It uh, reminds me strongly of the Dark Knight, Nolan's Dark Knight scene, right? So. Mm-hmm. Otis Russell is somewhat similar to the Joker in that Mm -hmm. he sees with great clarity, something that Bullock or Batman is not wanting to see within themselves at that moment. Mm -hmm. And And, he
1: also says, look what I did to this town with just a couple of bolts and some gasoline.
0: (laughs) And, and the, the, there's this great scene where Russell or the Joker is talking to Bullock, explaining everything. And, uh, Sort of depicting the way the things are going to be, what I think is really interesting is the turn, which is that in the Batman superhero movie, Batman starts beating the shit out of the joker, but because it's a a comic book movie and it, like the joker is more thematic than an actual person, he can't hurt him effectively, right. you know, yeah, but in this one. Bullock is being lectured about the reasons why you can't hit me, right? The guy's telling him, Bullock, you can't hit me right now because this is the incredible plot that I've laid out and all the things that are going to go wrong when you lay a hand on me. And then Bullock just punches him and knocks all his teeth out. And it's like, (laughs) and that's that's the difference between the show and the Batman show. Not the one's better or the other, they're two totally different things. But it's very like the Deadwood thing is Bullock will overreact and do the wrong thing, and everything will spread from that event that he did.
4: You and I are
6: gonna talk. You don't account for my preferences, Mr. Bullock?
4: I will beat you here in the street.
6: First-rate thinking. My daughter's agent beats her father in the street. How better to condemn Mama to deepen suspicion as to her role in her husband's violent death, and widen suspicion to include yourself. Were you bullied, Uh, Mr. Bullock? When young and incapable. And now you see wrongs everywhere and bullying, you feel called to remedy. Ten they do. New shooter coming out. The bully who oppressed your youth isn't at the table with us. Perhaps he's long dead. Eight, hey, the point and if is. And you that... would view the present with more clarity. Perhaps you'd recognize that I'm not victimizing my daughter, but merely asking for a small portion of the ample proceeds from her veins.
2: Seven out.
6: Alma is hurt only in your particular view of things. Can again, they do. And while I'll sign no guarantee not to return or against any future claim on her compassion, realize I do hate it here. And if you inhale and expel pure righteousness, my olfactories are keen to the smell of shit. Six. The point is six. Having heard all that, and knowing, as you must, the injudiciousness of making an enemy of a man who could testify truthfully, that five minutes before her marriage, he heard his daughter wish her prospective husband dead, and who won't shrink from lying as to what she admitted to him on his arrival in this cesspool, as to her complicity in her husband's murder, I suppose you'd
4: best take your swing. Oh, gentlemen, watch the felt.
1: Yeah, the only thing that he didn't do in that scene, while he was explaining why Bullet couldn't hit him, was put on a pair of glasses and pull out his diplomatic
0: immunity card. <laughs> that, that, that damn card that'll always get you through these situations. It's tough. Yeah, he's a great. He's a great. Um, Russell's great in that scene yeah he I is. think yeah um, just the explanation <clears throat> the fact that he goes down and does this thing that you're I'm assuming is what's causing him to have these debts in the first place he just throws and throws away money at the craps table yeah um, that and, was and I, Eddie's, I really Eddie has a little, when they started fighting Eddies so he just goes gentlemen mind the felt <laughs> <laughs> I uh
1: I really like that scene when he's talking to Alma and he's explaining about how he needs her basically he needs her to um leverage her claim to to take out some uh, money on credit because he has debts and she's like I thought I paid your debts when I got married to the rich guy he's like oh yeah you did i have new ones now
0: no it's even longer he's, he's she's like oh do you have interest on your old debts he's like no i just made right, new debts yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: and i mean he just goes i for how relatively restrained they are with him i understand it's they they have to it's the last episode of the season they got to tie this shit up but for how restrained they were with him the previous episode they really just start laying it on pretty thick in this one which is fine i think it works yeah because i mean you know if you don't the show runs the, the the risk of Every couple episodes, somebody new shows up to camp and kind of speaks obliquely about why they're there, and yep. then they just kind of hang around for five episodes. Yeah. yeah, so it's nice. It's nice to kind of get somebody in, get somebody out in a couple episodes, and 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 uh, uh, have them be useful, and then and move on.
0: Yeah, i I think he I think his turn is uh, largely fine because he's laid. The, he's sprung the. He sort of realized that his like sweet talking of Alma is not going to work, and Alma starts standing up for herself in that scene where she's talking to her father, and he quickly shuts it down. And you, you, you get a great sense of Alma as to like why she couldn't go back home and the kind of helplessness that a woman of her stat, like even though she's wealthy, a woman of her status in that town has no ability to control her own destiny. Really, like mm-hmm. she has to go to Bullock to get help um, to deal with Russell, and just the fact, just the. Just like the cold hearted denial he's like no i'm not I'm not gonna allow you to tell me not to take your gold claim from you um is just a, a- another uh, another smattering of the like incredible daddy issues that are in this yeah. because B- Bullock in that sequence uh otis Russell says something about like the He's like, were you bullied, Mister Bullock, when you were young and incapable, and now you see wrongs everywhere and bullying? You feel called to remedy the bully who oppressed your youth isn't at this table with us. Perhaps he's long dead. Um, the behind-the-scenes stuff that's never really mentioned in the show, but Milch has talked about in that in the book that I've read and everything is that. Uh, did he bull- learn a, Did he learn a secret? A secret truth about Timely o-
1: Oliphant that he was severely <laughs> bullied as a child. <laughs> he he and wondered using why it fa- against him in the show.
0: <laughs> why his father wasn't coming to any of the shoots? And he's like, "It's because your father beat you severely, didn't they?" Yeah, it's just Bullock's uh, upbringing. is supposed to just be that his father was a violent alcoholic who beat him severely. Mm-hmm. So that's his. That's Bullock's motivation. But we learned a lot about all the different fathers in Deadwood. We learned that uh, Alma's father's a piece of shit. We learned that Joni Stubbs' his father would. Yeah. uses her dead mother's wishes to have sex with his children and then sold them into prostitution. So not a lot of a lot of good father issues. That was one of the more uh depressing stories
1: told with um the most upbeat demeanor I've seen in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it kind of it's not obviously not to this extent, um but it reminded me of uh one time my my mother's sisters were all over having dinner. And uh, they didn't have a great uh, upbringing. Their you know the dad was an alcoholic. Their mother was a pill popper. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were telling these stories about crazy shit that their parents did, like horrible stuff. And they were all just like laughing hysterically as they were telling it and, yeah. I, and telling it with a they a, a looking back with a with a humorous bent to it. Yeah. And it's it's kind of the same thing where it's like sometimes these things the only way you can really kind of deal with them is to kind of put on a smile about it yeah
0: you know because and so yeah. when Joni tells that free. story yeah it, it, right the, yes. the, the being, it being it free of it yes. changes the perspective i think if the, yes. usually the people are dead when people start laughing about it yeah and i mean the way that Joni
1: very uh kind of politely and and almost in a chipper way tells a story about how her father used to rape her and and sold her into prostitution it's like yeah okay i mean I guess if you're going to tell that story, that's the only way you can yep. really do well, it. It's,
0: it's the, it's the, I mean, Joni must have walked in and she's like, oh, finally, I can tell the story about being raped by my father and ho- and wishing that he would be beaten to death in front of everybody day and night. It's like, this is the perfect, uh, almost your perfect I've muse been, for this.
1: I've been bringing this story up at <laughs> dinner parties for years and it never, people always kind
0: of cringe. It never feels relevant. But now, finally. Here it is. It's relevant. She didn't rush it either. She got right through it. Uh, Great writing from Milch in this one, too. I wrote down two double entendre uh, phrases that I like. Um, uh, When Otis Russell is talking to Bullock about the gold, um, he says, I just need a small portion of the ample proceeds from her veins, which I think is a nice double entendre uh, about the Mm -hmm. gold veins and just stealing the soul, basically, from his daughter. Um, And then when the general is having his speech, um, he says that America is coming... And of which I am certain, this camp will soon be a part, as all the horribleness is happening around him as he's giving the speech between the mm. Chinese race war that's coming and the sheriff being corrupt and everything. So, I like the plan words about being a part, uh, as in broken and a part of something larger. So, I think he did. Um, he did a couple lines of dialogue there like that, but outside of that, just the typical milchian kind of genius about um fuck the cavalry and the committee that receives them <laughs> is a great line <laughs> um and i think See, what might know, be go ahead, go ahead no no go ahead uh, the, just might be the the i always put a little quote at the top of the uh the blurb of the episode and i thought that this one was kind of uh fitting which is that when Wu goes to meet swearingen and he leaves in a huff uh, because of the murder that con stapleton has done uh swearingen yells after him did you come to this camp for justice or to make your fucking way Mm. which I think is a nice summary of Al's deliberations at that point. Yeah, I liked uh
1: I liked the back and forth with I think it was the doctor which ended with him saying a human being in his last extremity is a bag of shit. Now mm-hmm. oh, fuck you, Al. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was great. <laughs> well, that was that's what's so I mean, the doctor has just like every scene he's in is 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 bulletproof in this movie, in this show. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Walk in unannounced is a good way to get yourself killed, doc, especially as the cavalry
6: has us besieged. I'm here about the minister. He's over at my place, past my heart if I had any. He's damn near blind, mostly paralyzed, past controlling his functions. Well, you're preaching
5: to the fucking converter. I would have seen to him, but I've been fucking busy. Well, he doesn't want to be seen to like that.
6: What the fuck are we talking about? A man being cared for and made comfortable till he expires. The girls you put to the task deduct your time from my pay. I get the bag of shit. You get to care for a human being in his last extremity.
5: A human being in his last extremity is a bag of shit. i oh,
2: fuck you, Al!
1: seeing him really stand up to al that way uh the scene where he's praying to god is like man i don't know how did anybody from this show ever win anything
0: no i don't think i don't think it won man. anything yeah brad durf is just killing it on this show yeah yeah um, that, that's a uh that whole sequence is great and it really it like it, it um not to harp on it but that the patron comment about not feeling something that that the the way that the Durf thing is intercut with what Swearingen does to the Reverend Smith and the dialogue from both of them and mm-hmm. Durf is crushing it in that scene uh the murder of Smith is also really good but it's like that's a that's just a sad sequence really the the, the yeah. room gets a little bit dusty when that happens um Durf screaming about like the Civil War soldiers calling for their mother which is um i always think about the uh And all these like bullshit. That's the
1: scene that that's the scene that brings you the most joy. Yeah, that's that's,
0: that's just remembering that the uh, remembering remembering when those slaveholders got their legs shot off. Um, The thing that like in all the stories about the like the shitty cops and the the stuff that goes wrong in modern day, Mm -hmm. but there's always that the one of the things that's always consistent about those stories is that the dying person like almost always calls for their mother. Mm. And I just thought it was a nice touch in that, uh, that like that is consistent in the Dourif story and like what seems to be like a real thing that happens in real life. Um, and it's like extra heartbreaking in that sense. And just, uh, I mean, he just, it's a Milchian monologue and he destroys it. And the thematic subtext of it is that he gets the, Thy will is done. And Swearengen is apparently God's instrument to end the suffering of someone who is, whose suffering is causing distress amongst the body. And everyone needs to know their role. This is Swearengen's role. Swearengen smothers Smith. Uh, the, the Johnny Burns and Dan Doherty are brought to tears from it. And mm-hmm. then Swearengen just tells him, You can go now, brother. Um, as the parts of the body are there to help each other, and some parts of the body have to be removed at a certain point, um, it's great. I think he's, I think they're excellent, and it's just it's it's the, the pinballing of Swearingen at that point is that to do that, where does that stand morally? And then just to go into more of an outright like out for his own good thing with Mag with a uh, Claggett upstairs is uh, just a wonderful pinballing back and forth for that character. Yeah, and it's there's, I mean.
1: Going back to the the mother thing, I it it can be kind of a cliche to write that, but I think it depends on how you handle it. And and here, I think it's it's highlighting that like every everybody wants to die like a badass, right? You know, mm-hmm. you want to have some great final words. Ironically enough, I just watched John John Wick four last night, and uh, in which Ian McShane relays a story about Ned Kelly, um, yeah. the Australian. <laughs> outlaw his final words before he was hanged were such as life yeah and he's and he's talking about how how baller that is to be your final words or whatever and it's like yeah everybody wants that but what the reality of it is is you're you're you turn into a blubbering mess and you're just reaching out for the the most base possible thing there would be to protect you which is your mother yes and it's it's always it's always heartbreaking and always depressing but um yeah I think what's what's interesting about the Reverend into the Claggett stuff is it is just this great juxtaposition of al of of these two characters one of whom is just had been just struggling to live his life and get by and come to such a, a pathetic end versus this other guy who is thinks he's the king shit up there trying to get every penny he can and that's probably like they they don't i feel like another show would have al give a big monologue stating this stuff but like i feel like that's the worst possible time claggett could have asked him for anything right is right after he had to kill that (laughs) (laughs) reference. like his any any sort of compassion or uh if you want to call it that, that he might have towards Claggett.
0: Yeah, like consideration or, like, willingness to, to bend for him a little bit. To yes, get yeah, it, yeah. Not, not the time, not the time. Claggett handled that, although, um, you know, Claggett handled himself fairly uh, well to the end. I think he knew he was in mm-hmm. there going to die that entire time. He's trying to talk Al out of it by trying to lay, like, one last um, – I have this. I have the general's ear. Like if I can live, I can be able to be useful to right. you to convince things. And yeah, it doesn't end that way. He doesn't go down as a blubbering mess. But um, yeah, Al still, still ends <laughs> that thing with, uh, and he gets to he learns that Silas Adams is on his side, uh, for now and forever, I suppose, going forward. Young Adams, as he's called young Bosch. (laughs) i don't know what happens i don't i don't think the other guy sticks around i don't know what happens to him the the butler character Um, i'm
3: curious
1: to know or see what Bosch's role is going to be moving forward yep because yeah i don't know i i i i don't know where he slots in in al's organization um because so, you think he, he overlaps
0: with Dan Doherty a little bit. Yeah, too much?
1: I, I guess I'm. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking, like character-wise. Like, what is what is Al getting out of this guy now that Claggett's dead? Is he some sort of? Is he a connection to other people? Mm-hmm. Is he just another guy who's loyal to him? That's just going to be bumming around. Is it just that he seems to be smart? Yeah, I that think makes him. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what makes him different. Yeah, is that he's yeah. not.
0: um Dan is more of the. uh in this one, they have the great scene where Claggett is talking to Al and uh, it, it, Al, Al is threatening Claggett and Claggett says that those are the days that are behind us. And Al says, those are the days to my left. And he points to yes. Dan. Yeah, <laughs> that so was Dan, really good. Dan yeah. is just the guy who's going to kill people. Um, but he's not the thoughtful political analyst that Adams is.
1: Yeah. So that's yeah. the difference
0: between the two of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see, see where it goes.
0: Um, uh outside of that i'm just looking over my notes here anything else um i i found
1: i found the beginning of of uh the love scene very funny yeah, because it was it, it almost started like a naked gun gag where she is <laughs> struggling to get out of her you know corset yeah her 15 layers of clothes so. yeah they do this this like Sexy glamour shot of her opening the corset to reveal a second corset. Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bullock is doing his best, like LL Cool J, licking his lips impersonation as it cuts back to him. I like. I like. I, I mean, I his- don't know about that. It was more of him going like,
1: <laughs> "I'm married. I'm married. I'm married.
0: Not I'm really married. married." Yeah. What do you um? I always find that scene funny because when he shuts the door, he's clearly deciding what he wants to do, and he's just looking at the door for a long yeah. time. As she's, she kind of like looks, peeks around the corner to see what's going on. Yeah, it's yeah. real. It's really good. Yeah. And the the other Deadwood um, thing is that the, or the of the era is at the very end, uh, when he's out on Swearingen's like deck and he's looking across at her. And she just she opens her like her robe and it's just it's just like a nighty on underneath. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like the um. It's not the modern movie of just uh, like American Beauty or something where she just like exposes her breasts. It's just like here's right. my nighty that I wear.
1: I kept expecting him to to um respond to that by like angling his shoulder forward so she could see that he had the badge on or something
0: like uh, that. Oh yeah. No, not. But uh, no, he's just uh, he's just looking, baby. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think that he that's partially why he becomes the sheriff at the end is because when Alma's father's people come back at them, he needs to be in a position that is more influential than what he was yeah. before that. Yeah. Um, it also makes sense that he is the sheriff and it makes Al very happy that that's the case. Um, that scene makes me laugh. He's like, do you have the tin? I do. Produce it. <laughs> Pin it to your tits.
1: I know how yeah, it goes. He, he's even, even in that moment, he's still being shitty to Bullock, <laughs> in in, a, in in a way that he knows that he can, you know, uh, niggle him yep. by being like, you know, it goes on your chest. He's like, I know where it goes,
0: <laughs> ass. I'm going to walk past that blood stain that's mysteriously appeared on my floor <laughs> as I go to tend to my business issues. Um, I also,
1: you know, you were talking about how good Milch is at at doing a lot with a little with with certain characters, and yeah. even in this episode, Eb has like two scenes. Yeah, he's not in there, there. a lot. He's not, but like what they give him is really good. When he comes in and com- and is all in a huff about, he would have liked to have known that the cavalry had arrived, and Al just does that <laughs> thing where he goes, "Eb, the cavalry's arrived." <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: you want to be the hosannas? Yeah, he's, he's well because he he gives him the uh, to get him. Al knows how to distract him. He gives them the ability to like sell them provisions or something. And then they, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that they leave is because Evie's, B's be, be driving too hard of a bargain for provisions. So the, the soldiers just decide to leave the town. I want to know what, uh, Saul's going to do with
1: all those guns. I know. The, uh, he traded shovels for. Can, yeah. Is, can he now, can you sell that? Can
0: he sell those in his store? Like, how does that work? I, I guess you'd, I, I guess you would have to resell them out. I guess I was curious about the, um, like back then was a gun more valuable than it is today I was wondering because I would have thought that they would be hmm. less valuable but that might not be the case because of the way that they're produced so I wasn't sure well I guess it I guess it all depends
1: on what you mean by valuable cuz in terms gun, of actual cost like would, would well but but like if you if you're talking about if you're talking about in the situation like like this where mm-hmm. What is your what is a what is a a working pistol, an army issue working pistol worth in the frontier? Yes, you know what I mean. Where, yeah, like it's probably more valuable, more reliable. Than Deadwood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where it's probably more valuable in some place like Deadwood than it would be in
0: like New York. You know. Yeah, I, I guess I was wondering this because I would assume that guns were more of a consistent presence back then than they are now. Mm. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, if everyone has a gun, is trading in your gun worth as much at that point?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I've always, for all the Westerns that I've seen, I've always assumed that the way that guns were is like anything you buy on Amazon now, where there's just like a billion different versions of it, but you can't tell which one's the good one. Right. (laughs) There's always one guy who's got the good one, and then there's always the other guy who pulls out the shitty one. Right. Yeah. It's like, ah, that one. You got that one for fifteen dollars because it had a thousand five star reviews, didn't you?
0: Yeah, maybe a point about the the being just a U.S. military grade weapon might mm-hmm. be something more impressive about it. So that, that's yeah. always. I same. mean, that is
1: assuming that I, who knows what the quality control was. for. Right. That, yeah. Know.
0: Then that's that's another just assumption yeah. about what it is. The
1: uh, uh, before we wrap up, I did want to talk about um, one of my favorite scenes, only because it is like a quintessential Western scene. Mm-hmm. And every time, every time they do it in a movie or, or or anything, it it always works and is always very exciting. Which is the, um, it's not the actual fight, but it's the positioning of everybody around the fight. Yep. So it this comes when uh, when Seth goes over to beat up Alma's uh, father, you get him going over there, but you're also cutting in and checking in on every other one of the characters who's involved to see how they're reacting to the building tension of Seth going over there to kick the shit out yeah, of this they, guy.
0: they all kind of come out of their buildings if they're in a building and, yeah. and watch what's going on.
1: And I love that stuff. Like I love it when, you know, one guy comes in and then you see another guy like move over to the bar. And yeah. you know one guy kind of like reaches down and pulls <laughs> out the shotgun and kind of puts it in a yep. hidden place. And, you know, they kind of cut back and forth the faces. That's, I mean, that's, that's what's so much fun about the Western thing, like the like the gunfight is is usually not. Well, it depends on the movie, I guess. But like the the, the the Sergio Leone style gunfight, it's not the it's not the firing of the weapons that's the fun part. Yeah, it's everything that leads up to the firing of the weapons. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so it's fun to see them do something very very westerny in this in this episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's. Um there are a great number of witnesses to what Bullock does there. Um, it's a, yeah, I, I always like it. Just the, um, the sort of lack of reaction from people is is always kind of uh, distinct or something. It is a kind of a Western trope, and obviously they're all used to it. But there is, it it does just reinforce this uh, this idea that like the place is more bound by cultural norms and traditions than it is any right. sense of law that goes on with it. Because Stapleton certainly wasn't going to do anything there. I guess we unless, should talk about the race war aspect. I was going to say, yeah. yeah,
1: unless you're a Chinese guy and then all bets are off.
0: Yeah. Leon uh, continues to do his hard sell of the, the impending race war for Cy mm-hmm. Um accusing the Chinese of using lie to wash the clothes and blind him, which ends up getting one of the Chinese shots uh, by Con Stapleton, which is the reason that Bullock takes back the badge from him uh, at that point. But yeah, that, I mean, that... I guess that's the reason I didn't remember it in the prior episode because it's not a super important bit, and it doesn't it doesn't escalate from there because side doesn't side doesn't win in this episode he doesn't get a lot of mm. things he doesn't get the race war and he doesn't get the soldiers to stay back and be his militia
1: yeah, I think that's interesting too is that and I don't know given given what you've said about how the how they kind of wrote this show a bit on the fly um we've talked about this a little bit where before where it feels like they've got a lot of balls in the air but they don't necessarily know which ones are going to be are going to be the important ones yep and so i i I find it interesting that they kind of put these things in play for Psy, which are are options for big things like you you very easily could have your big thing in this episode could have been a race war breaks out in deadwood
0: yep Or Cy just gets an army, a private army for himself. Right, yeah. I mean, that's – if the
1: episode – I think the much more conventional ending of this is like Cy gets an army. Yeah. And so now he has this – the upper hand kind of thing. But it's not that kind of show. And so to see him try to maneuver these things and and maybe he's just – maybe the difference between him and Al is he's going a little too big. And uh, bigger than he's capable of of actually pulling off or something. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's he he makes some moves and they don't work.
0: Yeah, size not um, simple as that. sizes not great at reading the other party. Sometimes he he yeah. engine's a little bit better at reading what the other side wants and reacting to it. And as he says it with the uh, the case of like the special te- specialists in the other episode, uh, Tolliver is more myopic and thinks that because he's interested in a lot of money the general yes. is therefore going to be interested yes. in
1: a lot of money because because there are there's at least one scene beforehand where it's uh when he the the general is indirectly complaining about having to stay at eb's place <laughs> where <laughs> tolliver offers him to stay at the at the uh bell union <laughs> I forgot about Maricone, brothel, brothel, brothel. Um, but you know, he, in that moment, Ty uh, or Cy kind of puts it out there that, like, you know, anything you want, General. And He's like, no, I just, I, I'm, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, blah 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 blah. Yeah, the General makes think, him get
0: rid of the prostitution if he's going to stay right, there.
1: Yeah. Right. And I think, I think Al would recognize. Based on that, the kind of person that he's dealing with. But Psy is the kind of person who's like, well, if it's not this, it's got to be something else. You know, it's got, there's got to be something else I can buy this guy with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, uh, that fits in just to call back to the general. The general apparently just can't be bought, which is like he offers them uh, the young girl, he offers them the alcohol, he offers them money, and he just can't get through this guy. $50,000, a lot of money back then. That must have been like a billion dollars. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Um, are you still what
1: there? What year does this What year does this take place? And sorry, I'm looking up what the inflation rate has been since then. Oh,
0: uh 1876. So 1876. As you look up what the inflationary uh, <laughs> fifty thousand dollars in 1876 would be one point four
1: million dollars today. Yeah,
0: because yeah. I mean, Cy says that like we like we add ten thousand dollars worth of currency every day to the economy, which is like yeah. tremendous amounts of money. So yeah, um, yeah, they. Do you think the show um, does the show reflect that? Does it like does it is it doing a good enough job of reflecting the amount of wealth that's being generated? Uh maybe no, not wealth. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, cuz you Cause wonder where it, like, they don't have a bank yet or any, like they, right? like you you yeah. wonder where it goes.
1: Yeah, the, as as far as I can see from what the show's giving me, the only element of wealth that is really being talked about is the gold claim. And, almost gold claim specifically yes, almost gold claim yes and so yeah i i have no idea what the economics of of the even even when they were setting up the um the different uh positions that they were all vying for yep and they were talking about collecting money for the for the payoff and stuff i had i had no sense of whether or not the taxes or whatever that they were going to be levying was going to be asking a lot or asking a little. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, yeah, because it comes to me like Al and Cy must be making money hand over fist. You'd think they would Mm -hmm. easily have enough to build their own personal army at that point, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's,
1: it's a little bit. uh, I I think it's also tough because just visually everything in Deadwood looks like shit. Yes. (laughs) Isn't covered in shit. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's tough to tell, you know, where the money's going.
0: No, it's the uh that's the divide. Otis Russell brings it up how he, he hates it there and thinks yeah. that it's an awful place, but it's like the the money the origin of the money it has not been cleaned sufficiently to get to those other kinds of characters and it's just it's out there somewhere, but it's hard to say. It's just being used to buy the whores and liquor, really, at that point, and then being spread out from there. So mm-hmm. um let's see here. I think that's pretty much everything. That we've talked about. Any other character we see? We saw Joni. Oh, the other Charlie Utter doesn't have a lot to do in this episode either. Um, no, nah, he Jane, just, buys, Jane never he came just back. buys breakfast. Yeah, he buys breakfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Calamity Jane never came back mm-hmm. uh, from her episode where she left. So she'll come back eventually. Um, That's it. So thoughts on the first season, I guess, before we head out of here. Oh, that was great. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. So thanks for watching it with me. Um, I uh, I was I was talking to a couple friends
1: the other night uh, and i was mentioning we were watching deadwood <clears throat> and they said yeah we watched it a, a couple of years ago but it was it was okay it i think because we didn't watch it when it was on it felt a little bit like they were trying too hard to be like oh look what we can do on tv as far as the violence and the swearing and mm-hmm. the, the sex and stuff and i was kind of surprised that that was the takeaway because <clears throat> obviously that stuff is all there but i i have never felt like that was all there was to the show. Like it, it, it is. It just it is a very well written and well constructed show to me.
0: I don't. Th- I don't find it gratuitous in its violence right. and sex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's nothing so- sexy about its sex. Really, like the the Seth right. and Alma yeah. sex scene is the sexiest thing in it. The rest of it is portrayed as pretty, either horrible or dirty or um, unappealing. And yeah.
1: well, I think that was that's part of it, too. That's yeah. part of what they were saying is that it is portraying this stuff in in a very kind of grimy kind of... Oh, I see. In, in a way you don't generally see on television, you know? Yeah.
0: Because we talked about it earlier, too. Like, a lot of early feedback from people who did watch it in the era was that they thought that their opinion from, like, the trailers and teasers was just that the show was excessively swearing for its language, like, to push the envelope in terms of right. swearing. Yes, Um yeah. But I think as we've talked about like that, that drops away the more you watch it and the more Mm -hmm. you understand what the language is doing and how the dialogue is layered. It's like I it's just if you if you're the kind of person who says that the Deadwood writing is just swearing, I don't think you've watched the show really. Yeah, I was actually I, I
1: noticed in this episode in particular, probably the least amount of profanity. Mm-hmm. Front, front to back. Like I, I wasn't taking notes or anything, right. but don't have a they, ticker going just, in the bottom, yeah. the bottom bar. <laughs> I well, you know, I have to, I have to tell the parents council, <laughs> um, so they can put out the clean version to watch. Yeah, Al Gore uh, is
0: angrily watching this and taking notes. T- yeah. Tipper Gore, whichever one is responsible. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, it, it just felt
0: like it. It
1: didn't feel like they were relying on that as much as they had in the past. There's a couple here and there, but it didn't it didn't seem like it was as um, all encompassing as it kind of was in the early episodes. Like the early episodes definitely do lean on the um, spectacle of the language a bit more. Yeah. But uh, it seemed like it kind of evened itself out a bit. Yeah. When it could as later in the season.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I um I like the season. Um, I will say it's not it's. It's not really spoiler, I think this is the season of Deadwood that ends the strongest out of all three of them um mm-hmm. and I think that it does a pretty good job of uh demonstrating the show's improvisational nature and the way that it was written and how things just changed as Milch realized what he had in front of him and who the actors and actresses were um It continues to be a show that is it does just defy the idea that like events have to happen in your t v show. Uh, it's smartly yeah, written. Yeah. It's just really clever. Um, the the wordplay is great. The uh, I continue to recommend if people rewatch the episodes, watch watch them with the subtitles on, and you will gain a tremendous amount of appreciation for just the way that the the syntax of the sentences is written and the way that the characters say things. Um, they need to put out a uh,
1: uh, the annotated. The annotated Deadwood. Where you remember in, in like high school and mm-hmm. when you did Shakespeare, yep. they had those versions of the books that were the actual text on one side and then like the translated right. modernized yeah. text on the other side. <laughs> yeah, they need that. There was uh, I remember there was there used to be a website, a blog that um, it was all translations of Notorious B.I.G. lyrics. Yep, yeah, because so much of the, his lyrics are are like. <laughs> multi-layered references to stuff and all yeah. this kind of other kind of stuff. And it was – yeah, it was uh, – yeah, you need one of those for Deadwood.
0: You do. You need to, you need a translation for the non-17 or 1876 character who is not hypocrite enough to read it. Um, yeah, a good one. My favorite episode of the season, I think. And it's, it's tough because it all builds towards it and that's everything that you want to be expecting. But I I find every scene in this one pretty delightful. I find all the characters to be delightful. And I think that it ends – um pretty well uh and i guess just my final thoughts about the the very final scene with um i find that touching too which is doc dancing with jewel who he yeah. made the boot for uh that was great trixie and al make eye contact and trixie looks away first and then Jin has kind of a bemused look on his face and that's the way that it ends so uh that's it anything else you want to say or are we done i think we're good we are done This is Something Pretty, and that was sold under sin. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. You can listen to the Star Trek show. We have the Rotten Horror Show with Clay and Amanda. We have the Badass, the animated series. Talking about Batman, the animated series, on that podcast with Clay and Sean. And uh, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. I think we're just going to go right into season two. We're not going to have a a wrap-up episode, Clay, because I don't think it suits the show at all. Yeah. But – Yeah, I feel
1: like we – kind of covered everything
0: yeah it's uh and it'll it's uh less defined by sort of like changes in the way the perspective works the the showrunners and stuff so that's it anything you want to say before we head out
1: uh no i don't think so check out on patreon we're doing video nasties this year amanda and i are uh january was tenebrae february was possession and march was flesh for frankenstein i watched a um uh, that one just went up and w- I watched a special feature on the, on the Blu-ray yep. uh, flesh for Frankenstein Blu-ray. Uh, it was an interview with the director from a handful of years ago. And that movie was one of the titles it was sold as was Andy Warhol's Frankenstein yep. because the guy who made this movie was uh he, the guy who worked with Andy Warhol when he was making films and, and uh, a number of them were I, like co-produced or something like that. Um and this interview from like 2016 I would say 70% of it was this guy just essentially calling Andy Warhol a no-talent cocksucker <laughs> it was like every time they'd come back to it he'd be like and he had nothing to do with this movie he's I don't know why his name was on it he never came to the set he wasn't even an artist he couldn't even talk he kept saying that over and over again the guy couldn't even talk he didn't even know what a movie was yep.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well he sold your tickets and yeah the, re- the google seo is what he provided to your, your film <laughs> i think 30 years later yeah you guys can ch- what's the april movie because this would be april by the time it comes out
1: april is lucio fulci's the beyond which is our first um italian gore hound movie so that's going to be fun uh makes very little sense and leans very heavily into over-the-top gore special effects.
0: So, Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Something Pretty. Support the show at patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. Leave a review on Apple if that is so helpful. Spotify and Apple, those are the two that if you happen to be there, please leave a review. That would be much appreciated. It helps at least convince people who are browsing that other people have listened to the podcast. So thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week with A Lie Agreed Upon Part 1. See you then.
4: I was a marshal in Montana. My father served in the British Royal Army, and my brother Robert was a cavalryman. Killed fighting the Comancheros in Texas. Why are you here, Mr. Bullock? A man named Otis Russell is laid up in this establishment. He needs protection. Protection from whom? Several in this camp. I beat him badly. Others have reason to wish him dead, and the camp sheriff can be bought off for half a can of bacon grease.
2: Well, while we're here, I will hold Mr. Russell under protection as a gesture to your brother's sacrifice. Thank you, sir. I would add, in a camp where the sheriff can be bought for bacon grease, a man, a former marshal, who understands
3: the danger of his own temperament, he might consider serving his fellows.